This episode is supported by Earn In. Life doesn't happen bi-weekly, so why should payday? The money you earn now can be in your hands today with Earn In. Earn In is an app that gives you access to your pay as you work, up to $100 per day or up to $750 per pay period. Super, super easy to use. You just download the Earn In app and verify your paycheck. Then you can access up to $100 a day as you work and leave an optional tip. So the app is free. You can leave a tip if you want. Any money you access plus tips are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. So here's the thing. Sometimes getting close to your next paycheck, next pay period, and you realize, oh gosh, like paycheck doesn't come until next Friday, but we have this event that we need to attend this weekend and we need money for it. Or we have to buy a gift for someone. Or, oh my gosh, like my kid tore through their shoes and now we have to buy new shoes this weekend and the money's not in the bank yet. So Earning can help you access the money you've already earned at work by giving you this little bit of money in advance. So make Earnin part of your financial routine and join Earnin's over three and a half million customers who say things like, when I think about Earnin, I think about financial stability and security, and it gives me a lot of peace of mind. So for our listeners, all you need to do is download Earnin today. It's spelled E-A-R-N-I-N, and you can download it in Google Play or the Apple App Store. When you download the Earnin app, type in Shameless Mom under podcast when you sign up. So there'll be a little place where you can, where it says, what podcast did you hear about them on? Type in Shameless Mom under podcast. This helps to show support for our show and our advertisers. Earnin is a financial technology company, not a bank, and subject to your available earnings, daily max, pay period max, and location. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank and Trust, member FDIC. This is the Shameless Mom Academy, episode 472 with Jacqueline Malone. Show notes for this episode, including any links mentioned in the episode, can be found by going to shamelessmom.com and clicking on episode 472. Welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm your host, Sarah Dean. I'm here to give you and other passionate, driven, unapologetic moms tools, resources, and a little bit of humor to help you lead more positive, powerful, and purposeful lives every damn day. One of the best things about the Shameless Mom Academy is our community, so be sure to join us in our free private Facebook group to connect with other shameless moms just like you. You can find us over at shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook. All right, let's dive into today's episode. Jacqueline Malone helps experts exponentially grow their businesses by becoming the go-to authority in their space. She is a coach, a strategist, a keynote speaker, a shameless mom, a guac lover, and the host of the Go-To Gal podcast, which I had the great fortune of being on, and it was so much fun. Jacqueline helps her clients get out of their own way, package their expertise to scale, position themselves as the go-to authority, and have their dream clients and opportunities landing in their laps. Her signature approach combines restructuring her clients' business models, reframing their mindset, and revamping their marketing so that they can become the go-to authority from the inside out. Jacqueline supports experts at all stages from freelancer to global brands. She has spoken at marketing conferences around the U.S., grown her social media channels to total over 50,000 followers, and has been featured in Entrepreneur, Yahoo Finance, Reader's Digest, Parents, Well and Good, and dozens of podcast and radio appearances. She has proudly built the go-to gal empire in her slippers from her living room in Rochester, New York, while raising two babies. I loved this conversation. So Jacqueline had me as a guest on her show and we just completely hit it off. And I was so excited to have her come join me on the Shameless Mom Academy. And this conversation did not disappoint. Jacqueline will be sharing with us the impact of helping her dad start a business way back when in 2004, how strength comes from vulnerability, not showing up as your strongest self, her journey into motherhood as the mother of a preemie, how she managed emotions by not letting herself experience them and then realized how harmful this was, how she now practices embracing feelings, especially hard feelings, knowing that her personality type is prone to avoiding emotion, how to become more okay with your feelings being uncomfortable and inconvenient, and four practical tips to practice feeling hard feelings. This was a really fun, also very vulnerable, very raw conversation. Grab a tissue perhaps, and let's welcome Jacqueline Malone to the Shameless Mom Academy. Jacqueline, welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm so excited to have you here. 
Oh, I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. So I was on your show, Go To Gal, like probably two months ago now, and we totally hit it off and had so much fun. So I'm so excited to have you here. And then we just did like 15 minutes of therapy with each other before we hit record. So I know this is going to be magic. <laughs> no pressure. Me too. <laughs> I can handle the pressure. It's okay. <laughs> I love it when I get introduced to different podcast hosts and just entrepreneurs and moms who there's just this immediate like chemistry and synergy with where, I mean, you even said at the end of our little therapy session, you're like, we need to just like have a coffee, like a Zoom coffee date. Because when you have those moments, I think you need to recognize like, oh, these are my people. <laughs> this is who I want to surround myself with. So true. It's so true. It's so needed. It's Social media is such a blessing, but being able to take those conversations off of just typing, especially for us extroverts, but I think introverts need this too, right? Yeah. But to take it off of all being written and actually be able to talk to each other is just so powerful. Yes, yes. And I'll piggyback on that and say that we're recording this in the context of it's June 11th. So we are in the middle of a pandemic. We're in the middle of a cultural revolution. There's a lot happening and a lot to process. And we were just talking about how we're both extroverts. And so having someone to talk to and process with, especially when you've been cooped up with small children and not a lot of people to talk to in real life in a long time is extremely important and valuable and life-giving. Oh, absolutely. So tell us a little bit more about the dynamics of your personal and professional life beyond your bio right now. And what are you most excited about? Now, I know I just said, like, we're in the middle of a pandemic and cultural revolution. So I feel like excited, like I need to explain that. Thank you. That we can be in a lot of pain and also be hopeful. So if you want to talk around all of that, go for it. <laughs> yes. So it's so interesting with the pandemic and we're in... We're in phase two right now, the time that we're recording where I live in upstate New York in Rochester, New York. Oh, you are? Yes. What phase are you in? We are not. We're like in 1.5. This is like the new small talk. Like what phase are you in? <laughs> I know. Yeah. So we're in 1.5, which isn't like, I'm not sure it's technically a thing, but yeah, we're like in C we're, so I'm in Seattle and or we're not quite to phase two yet. You're not quite. So we're phase two. I think we're gearing up for phase three. I mean, who knows? Can't even imagine. But I Still, I will say my personal lifestyle has not changed with like getting into phase two. I still haven't been to a grocery store in months. Like I work from home anyway. I'm not sending my kids to camp. Like we're still very much secluded, although my parents have been helping with the kids. So that's probably the thing I'm most excited about is that I have a little bit of childcare, right? So my, my parents live two miles down the road and they're really the inspiration for how I run my life. My dad has his own business. I helped him start it back in 2004. And my mom was that stay at home mom that I just, I'd get off the school bus every day and just sit at the counter and just like tell her every excruciating detail of my day. And she was like here for it. Right. She's still like one of my best friends in the whole world. And so we live two miles down the road from them. And I, you know, growing up, always struggled with like, oh, I want to be a mom like my mom, but I am my dad. My mom jokes with me like, how did I raise you to be him? <laughs> I like I am my dad. And I always, you know, I helped him start his business, but that made me realize that I want what he has. I wanted that ability to wake up and just be so excited to do what I was doing and to make an impact in the world and to find that thing that he found. And he's so passionate about what he does that you almost think if you hang out with him long enough that it's going to rub off on you. But I tried and it, it didn't work. <laughs> I had to go find my own thing. But that's where finding this whole world of having an online business allowed me to not have to choose. I always thought I would have to choose. And being able to find this world, if you will, with having a podcast and working virtually and creating this online business, I'm able to follow that entrepreneurial passion that my dad showed me the way for, but also get my kids off the bus, quote unquote. I, my daughter, I say quote unquote, because technically I'm my oldest who is seven and first grade. I guess there is no bus right now, but she does go to school and my son is going to be four soon and he does not ride a bus yet, but to be able to have more time with them and not work full time, but still 
make full-time or more than full-time money, right? So that opportunity has is what led me to this and just opened up like, I don't have to choose, but everything has changed, you know, everything and nothing at the mm-hmm. same time, right? So I'm always working from home. That hasn't changed, but I'm, I got pretty used to having solid childcare, not full-time, but consistent Yeah, and having time in the house by myself. And I'm an extrovert, but I require alone time to process and to think. And I just, I need alone time in general. I joke because people think I'm very extroverted, which I am, but I'm like, I am the least extroverted person in my family throughout this whole pandemic. I'm like, I think I'm the only one that was like, I need to go on a walk and nobody come with me. Oh my gosh. That's what I've been doing like three times a day. (laughs) And everyone's like, can we come? I'm like, no, I'm trying to be alone. (laughs) They don't get it. Oh, it's so funny. So that said, with this whole experience, I have my kids home. My husband was working from home for a while, but he is back to his his office now. So that actually makes things a little bit easier. And we're just figuring it out as we go. And I'm working the B shift, if you will. So I've mm. some nights I'll, my husband will come home a little early and, and I'll work from three to whenever a couple nights a week to try to get that time in where it's uninterrupted. And then my parents have been very helpful. So what am I excited about the most though? I think it's the change in the weather and the ability that like we can be outside now. We have a pool. So very grateful for the pool and just having fun with the kids and just trying to really make the best of all of this. I think early on in this experience, I saw something on Instagram. I don't know the exact quote, but it was like, your kids can look back on this time and it could either be this really traumatic event or it could be this amazing memory. And I've really tried to just hold that top of mind throughout all of this is like, okay, how can we just be making this a really great memory? Yeah, I've given some thought to that as well over the last few months and thinking through like how to, which only adds pressure to it. All right, it's true. But not, I mean, but like in limited ways, like my kids' expectations aren't that high. I don't let them get too high around how I'm going to show up. But yeah, we've definitely been doing some things. And there's, you know, it's really multi-layered at this point because it's funny, you know, a month ago, what I wanted my child to remember about this time is different than right now. And so a month ago, I was like, oh, I wanted to remember that we played games at lunch. And like, yeah, that's still a thing. And also I'm like, I also want them to remember that like we made signs and we went out and marched. And so there's these like, there's so much I want my child to, like it's starting to feel like, more and more of a big responsibility, which is totally fine. But just get that thoughtfulness around what do I want my child to remember about this time, I think is really, really powerful. And it's the consideration given to that has become bigger as we've moved through this 2020 that we could have never seen coming. Totally. It's such a, a centering lens where it's like, okay, we can be so caught up in the minute to minute, but to take that step back of like, and there's something about looking at it through the eyes of your children that makes it easier or that makes it more powerful. Because of course we could do this for ourselves too, right? Like, what do I want to remember about this time? But there's something about saying like, what do you want your children to remember that just gives it that deeper layer and makes you kind of look at things through a different lens. I think it makes it more clear and more simple. Yeah, I agree. Okay. I want to go back to your dad for a minute because I feel like we glossed over that too quickly. (laughs) You helped your dad start a business. Did you say in 2002? 2004 while I was still in college. Yes. Okay. I feel like that's a big thing. I don't know anyone else who's in the middle of college helped their dad start a business. So can you talk like what was the business? How did you help him? That just sounds like a very defining moment for both of you. And it sounds really cool. So <laughs> tell us more. And even hearing you, I'm like, oh, I'm like, maybe it was. I don't know. It's funny. This is like an outsider's, isn't it funny? An outsider's perspective. I'm like, do you mean when your whole life changed? You're like, oh, did it change my life? Maybe it did. Oh, like, was that, was that not normal? (laughs) No, it's not. It's not normal. I'll tell you that. So I have a very entrepreneurial family and I realize that is unusual, right? But but not necessarily in this big business way, but going back to my dad's parents, my grandparents owned a hotel. That's actually how my parents met. My dad was working at the hotel and they turned it into dorms for a period of time and my mom was living there. And my other, my great grandmother on my mom's side of the family, she ran a catering company out of her home. She did all, and my grandma was telling me recently at like, 10 years old, she was keeping her books and she was like, my grandma was cooking for all these bar and bat mitzvahs and weddings and all of this stuff, but from her home through the Great Depression. And then my grandma on my mom's side had opened up a convenience store, a little deli with her second husband, but like right around the time that I was young. And that when he passed away, that was actually what brought us to Rochester. My parents came to help her run that store. So we have all these, and I could probably go through random relatives too, but there's not that these were huge businesses, but it was like normal to like, okay, like you're good at this or there's an opportunity, we start something. 
And my dad had done commercial real estate for 18 years. He was the top producer in his company and it was his time. And he was talking about leaving. I worked full time through college. I was a manager at a telemarketing company and I would do the training and I was on the phones for a little bit of time and then I worked my way up. And but I was starting to get burned out from it. And when he was leaving his job to start the business and started talking to me about it, I started helping him with marketing materials. And before long, I was like, if you're leaving your job, I'm leaving my job. Like, let's just do this. And it was, it really was a defining moment. And being able to work alongside him and see one, like work through the fear of, okay, like this is a big step to leave this globally recognized company. And every single one of his clients stayed with him. It's interesting because he named the company, not his name, but with his last name, you know, with our last name at the time. And so it it was definitely a personal brand of sorts, right? Before personal brands were a thing. Before personal brands were a thing, right? I look back and in my business now, so much of it is pulled from what I learned from that experience and building relationships and the situations he threw me into that I was terrified to be in, but that I learned so much from of like sending me to the office and him sending two different painters to give a quote and them showing up at the same time and like the awkwardness of that, right? And like, <laughs> it's like the little things, right? You know, or going to different events in the city for like, if there's going to be a bus terminal and, you know, and he's like, you got to get up there and speak. I'm like, I've never even ridden a bus before and, and having to like speak in front of a thousand people on a topic that I really didn't know all that much about, which ended up getting pulled and put on the news that night, which is hysterical to me. Oh my gosh. I know. Amazing. So all of these things that just learning how to build relationships and learning how to sell, you know, with real estate, he, everything is sold through story. It's not just, Oh, this is a building. It's, this is what's going on in this community and the transformation that's happening and what's coming in and and giving context to that, right. To get people excited about the opportunities. So, so much of what I learned through that experience definitely fuels and helped me sometimes even unknowingly in my business. Now, when I started my online business, just like I said to you, we should have a zoom date that's what I did to everybody. Cause I'm like, that's what you do is you have coffee, you go to lunch. Like, you know, that I learned that from him. You build relationships, you help people. And not everyone does that in this world. A lot of people don't think like that. So I think that helped me in the beginning to not just build a network of people, but to really build friendships and see opportunities and give other people opportunities, get opportunities, but really just to understand the world, I think a lot better because When you're having a real conversation, there's just a deeper level there that you just can't get from reading blog posts. Right. This episode is supported by a podcast I want to share with you called Understood Explains. So this show is about navigating ADHD, dyslexia, and other learning and thinking differences, which can be so confusing. And so every uh, season of the show is around a different theme. So there's a season on special education, there's a season on ADHD diagnosis for adults, and the current season is all about IEPs. I love this podcast because the episodes are 10 to 15 minutes long. So if you are short on time or short on focus, you can take this content in super quickly, easily. It's very digestible. And the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert, Juliana Utube. So Juliana talks all about how to navigate educational plans, IEPs. She talks about the differences between IEPs and 504 plans. She really breaks things down in a really clear and simple way so that you have some of those questions that you might be thinking around, like, does this pertain to my child? Is this something I need to be looking into? Like, where do we go from here? Where do I go if I have questions? Juliana has you covered. She explains so many different things and so many different little pieces and nuance of IEPs and special education and different things on Understood Explains. So I want you to go check it out wherever you're listening to this podcast. You can go listen to Understood Explains. Just go into your podcast app, do a search for Understood Explains, and it will pop right up. Click on it, pick your episode, and get the answers that you've been looking for and the support that you need around different learning differences and differences in school. This episode is supported by AquaTrue. Having clean, safe water is the last thing you want to worry about. But unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four, yes, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants in their tap water. So that's why you got to check out AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers have a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process. And their countertop purifiers, which is what we have, take no installation or plumbing, and they remove 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters. And they're specifically designed to combat 
chemicals like PFAS, which can lead to potentially adverse health effects like cancer, endocrine system disruption, and liver toxicity, which is part of what makes AquaTrue so special, unique, and important in terms of how they are able to filter water. They also have water purifiers to fit every type of home. So like the installation-free countertop purifier that we have at our house to higher capacity under sink options. They even have Wi-Fi connected purifiers and mineral boost options. So I'm so excited about our new AquaTrue. And here's the thing. I swear it's like a gentle reminder to actually drink more water every time you walk into your kitchen. So we are drinking more water now and also more clean water. So more water that is more clean. It feels like a double win. I'm feeling pretty impressed with us. I feel like sink water, tap water becomes invisible at a certain point. And when I see the purifier on my counter, it's like many time a day reminder to like, keep drinking, keep drinking. So I want you to check out AquaTrue for yourself and for your family. AquaTrue comes with a 30 day money back guarantee and that makes it a great gift as well. Today, my listeners can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter the code SHAMELESS at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com and use the code SHAMELESS, S-H-A-M-E-L-E-S-S, AquaTrue.com code SHAMELESS. Oh, this is so interesting because this is completely the opposite of my journey. So I have to like point out the contrast. Yeah, please do. Because I think this might be helpful and interesting to our listeners as and maybe interesting for you as well. But so I came from a family with two parents who worked the same job their entire careers. And like my dad worked for the state of Washington, did safety inspection and stayed there for 25 years till he qualified for a retirement package, whatever you get from the state. And then my mom was a teacher for 42 years. So they both picked like one thing and just did the same thing the whole time. And so I went to school thinking I would do the same thing. Like I'm going to pick one thing and do it forever. And after a few years of doing that first thing, working with kids in a psychiatric hospital, I knew that I wanted to change gears and the heaviness of what do I want to do for the next 40 years weighed on me for a really long time. Like I had such a hard time trying to figure out, like, I want to go back to school. I want to do something different than what I'm doing right now, but how do I pick one thing to do forever? And I finally decided on personal training. And what was interesting about that is that I went through a two-year program. And when I got my certification, I decided to start my own business just because I could make way more money, not because I wanted to run a business. And I was very resistant to embracing being a business owner or an entrepreneur because that had never been modeled to me. So I was like, basically for tax purposes, I have my own business, but like nothing else because I don't know how to run a business. And now here we are 17 years later. And I like one of my most valued traits about myself is like that I'm an entrepreneur. I like, I love that about myself. And I love that is something that I have really stepped into. And I think that it's added this layer to my life that I could have never seen coming because I didn't ever see that growing up in anyone in my family. But it took me a long time to step into that. And now I look back and I'm like, if I embraced it like five years earlier, I'd be five years old, like further along. Like I was so resistant to it because I didn't know anything about it. So I love that you had all these skills and you were like, I could just go build a business. Like this is what people do. And I was like, I'm not building a business. And I, people don't do that <laughs> as I'm building a business. <laughs> <laughs> well, and we all have our hangups, right? So yes, I did have that belief, but I also was surrounded and being in commercial real estate too, my clients, right? were also entrepreneurs, many of them. We also worked with some national chains, but many of them were, were local entrepreneurs, you know, who had these big dreams. But the people that I was surrounded by, my dad included, either had, you know, decades of experience and or it was these huge investments to start the business. And so I what was modeled for me was even though my dad didn't have this big startup, it just was like, OK, well, he was there for almost 20 years. Right. But these other people, it was like, oh, to do something, you have to have this, you know, you have to get this big loan and get a building. And like, like it just it felt like something that was further off. I did pursue some other opportunities, things online. I didn't find the right people online. I wish I would have found the right people online sooner because I look back in my 20s and I had a bunch of ideas, but they never <laughs> really got past the logo stage, right? And the dreaming stage. And I just, I didn't really know how to take it further. And it wasn't until I found podcasting, ironically, a very meta thing right now, mm -hmm. that... I was able to hear the behind the scenes of how these people were doing it. And this whole world opened up to me of like, oh, okay, now I get it. Now I'm sure that information was there long before I found it. And it probably was in, in blog posts or other things, but 
I didn't even know that I could go look for it, honestly. You didn't know what you didn't know. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know what I didn't know, for sure. So I'm so glad I found it when I did. Yeah. And even when I did, it took me a while to try to think of that perfect thing, right? But I'm so, that's why podcasting will just always have a special place in my heart because I think it just opens up opportunity that no other platform does. Totally. Okay, so we're going to totally shift gears now. <laughs> Keep me on track, yes. No, I love this. I think like this is so fun for me to talk about. But I also want to make sure that we talk about your journey into motherhood, because I know you had this unique experience coming into motherhood, arriving in motherhood, where you learned a ton about yourself. And I think there's a lot of growth I want to make sure we have space for to talk through there as well. So tell our shameless moms, how did you learn or what did you learn about yourself through becoming a mom? Well, should I start with the punchline or should I start with the story here? (laughs) (laughs) So I think start with the punchline. Oh, so the big thing that I learned was is that strength isn't doesn't come from not having emotion and from being the perceived strongest person of I don't even know what it is. It doesn't come from that like emotionless, like I can handle anything person, but that really I found my true strength through being vulnerable and open up and embracing my emotions and processing my emotions and really letting in this other side of me that I was so afraid that if I went there, that everything would fall apart. And I think becoming a mom, it is vulnerable. <laughs> it is, you know, from the day you find out you're pregnant, you're in situations that you just can't avoid feeling vulnerable. And yes, it's had me open up in ways that I didn't even realize I needed to open up in and to look at everything through a different lens. Yeah, I think that that makes a ton of sense. And did motherhood directly and or immediately impact your business or evolution around your business? So I did not start my business until after I was, which is really funny because before in my 20s, I had all these big dreams. I never went anywhere. In my head, it was like, I have to do all X, Y, and Z before I become a mom. And I think I thought that once I became a mom, you know, well, I guess everything is a little bit harder, right? But it was like, oh, once I become a mom, like that's not going to be possible or at least not for a while. Mm. And so I thought I had this deadline. And then it came to a point where I I wasn't going to push that deadline off anymore. I was like, okay, you know what? And I actually had, so I helped my dad start the business in 2004. Then I say I had my quarter life crisis around 25 after a few years and having success in that business, but realizing it wasn't for me. And I went to work for several other entrepreneurs, local, um, doing marketing. And before I started, before we started a family, I actually went back to work for my dad, knowing that it wasn't my passion, knowing that it wasn't the thing, but knowing that I could have flexible hours, knowing that I could make good money and thinking that that was probably the best compromise at the time to be able to have that work-life balance that I was really not going to have any of those other positions. Mm. And so I went back to work for my dad and I literally told my husband, I think I was 29 at the time or 28. And I was like, okay, I'm going to do this until I'm 40. And at 40, I'm either going to be so successful at this that I'm just going to keep riding the ride or Mm -hmm. I'm hopeful by then I will have found something along the way that is my thing, you know, but it was a very strategic decision to even before we started trying of, okay, I'm going to leave this job and I'm going to go back to do this because I wanted that. And then with my daughter, my daughter was born eight weeks early. We can talk about that for sure. And after I had her, And all of that experience, I had taken a lot of time away from work and I was able to, right? But also I wasn't making money when I was taking that time away. And and it made me realize, okay, I need to really figure something out before we have another child to be able to not put ourselves in such a a hard place financially. And also if I'm going to have this baby and I'm going to be leaving her to go do something, I want to be doing something that I really love doing. And that is something that I got that inspiration. I am paraphrasing that from... I'm going to forget her name, Cheryl Sandberg, just to give proper credit where credit's due. She says something like that. And I was like, yes, like that resonates with me. If I'm going to be leaving this baby, like I want to be doing the thing that lights me up. Right. Mm -hmm. So the seed was planted. And shortly after I found podcasts and started my business and then oh, there got pregnant with baby number two before I was starting my, so I launched my first podcast, my first paid program and found out I was pregnant with my little guy all in the same week. Back fall of 2015. Yes, it was quite the week. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. Can you talk about your daughter being eight weeks early and talk about 
what goes with that and what I know that you've shared with me some of the journey around that and especially around feelings and emotions and what that looked like for you. Can you share with our listeners some of that? Of course, of course. So going back to that time, I was, you know, it was a pretty normal pregnancy to start. I was certainly very sick in the beginning um, with morning sickness and stuff, but otherwise nothing different going on. I hadn't gained a lot of weight. I'd only gained like eight pounds. I had a bunch of girlfriends who were also pregnant at the same time and they were teasing me that I was like 20 something weeks pregnant and only gained eight pounds. And they're like, what's going on? Like, you know, because they had gained, you know, two or three times that maybe at that point. And then all of a sudden I had gained like 10 or 12 pounds in a week. And I was like, whoa, you know, but everyone's like, oh, it's about time. Right. And so I was like, all right, you're right. And I actually called my doctor and they're like, well, has anything changed? I'm like, well, I had a shower. I was maybe like 28 weeks pregnant at this point. I'm like, well, I had my baby shower and I've been eating like dessert with lunch every day. You know, like I was just like, I really hadn't been eating well, you know, typical pregnancy stuff. I'm like, oh, we have a lot of like yummy leftovers, you know, so like, all right, go back to eating normal and, you know, like we'll see you next week or whatever. And when I went in for that appointment at 30 weeks, my doctor had this look on her face and was like, okay, like, you know, I want you to stay calm, but I need you to go immediately. Oh, I knew I, knew I was going to get emotional telling the story. Uh, I thought it was going to be later on in the story, but just going back to that moment. <laughs> okay, bear with me. So, but just, she's like, I need you to go immediately to triage. And I'm like, okay, but I don't have anything on me. Like, can we stop home first? And she was like, I need you to go immediately to triage. I'm like, okay. So, and my husband actually had gone to all of my appointments with me. And that was the one that he didn't go to because <laughs> it was like a no big deal. Like, you know, and he was supposed to go actually away that night. So we were so thankful that like the appointment was that day and before he had left. And so we went to the hospital at 30 weeks and I had severe preeclampsia. So that meant that my blood pressure was high. They were able to keep it under control, the protein in my urine. I don't know. I should probably know the like the unit of measurement that they say, but it was supposed to be like under 70 and it was like 6,000. Oh my gosh. I'm like, am I going to die? Like, what is this? Right. And they're like, no, but you're going to have to stay at the hospital. And so Fortunately, I, you know, we have a really incredible hospital here where I live. And actually, the irony was 20 something years earlier, my brother was born 10 weeks early at the same hospital. Wow. So totally unrelated. But it is interesting because I don't have a lot of friends that had preemies. And so for my mom to have a baby, you know, now 30 years ago, you know, at 30 weeks, and I ultimately ended up having Eleanor at 32 weeks. It is kind of unusual. Yeah. But we were in good hands. And here's the thing is we... It works so hard to keep my spirits up, right? You can think of the situation of being in a hospital, you know, for three weeks. My husband slept in a recliner next to me every single night. My parents would take shifts coming and that was all who could be there because it was during flu season. So they wouldn't let anybody else in the hospital. And it could have been such a stressful and somber time, but we just, we kept spirits high and I held it together, right? Going back to that strength of like, all right, we can do this and the cheerleading and the positivity. And you know what? I needed that to get through it. And at 32 and a half weeks, Eleanor was born and then she ended up spending 25 days in the NICU from there. And same thing. It was like, that was my, I had my anchors of what I was holding onto of like, okay, I go to the NICU and, and pumping and I can change her diaper at this hour and I could take her temperature at this hour. And, you know, and when I was allowed to start nursing or, you know, or doing kangaroo care for the first week, I wasn't even really allowed to hold her much. Sorry, I don't talk about that side of it much, but it was tough. Yeah. You have this vision in your head of what becoming a mom is going to be. I remember having all these rules of like, okay, I'm going to have her and then I'm going to as soon as she's born, I'm going to, we're going to do skin to skin and she's going to be on my chest and no one else mm-hmm. is allowed to even like look at her for however many hours, right? Like I had read the books and listened to the podcast and I had this perfect vision for what that was going to be. And then it wasn't, right? What I learned from that was, and during that whole time, and it's funny because the irony of like, oh, I was this person that didn't like process these feelings and now I'm like a blobbering mess talking to you about it. <laughs> I feel like now I'm the opposite side. Which I love. It's like, all right, Jacqueline, like let's pull it together a little bit. <laughs> like, okay, here we go. But then it was like, I felt, I felt like if I let my guard down, I felt like if I let my, my brain go there of like something could go wrong. Mm-hmm. 
that then it might happen or that then everyone else around me would fall apart, right? And for me, what felt harder than even exploring my own emotions was being able to hold space for everyone else's emotions around me, right? So I felt like if I could keep my head up high, if I could keep, you know, the good spirits, that that would keep everything together, right? That was my way of taking control of the situation as best I could in a situation that you couldn't. But I look back and just at one point, my mom who was sharing a lot on social media at the time. And I, that just, I was not expressing in that way, but that helped her. And I was, you know, I was fine with that. And she was like, this person, and like, she was telling me all these people that were sending me their prayers. And at that time I was in such a place where I was like, we don't need prayers. Like we're fine. <laughs> and I like, couldn't even like accepting a prayer felt like too much, which now I look back and I'm like, take all the prayers. Like even now I'm like, pray for me. We're going to take forever. Right. You know, but going back to that place, like that felt vulnerable to even accept prayers. Like it felt like I had to admit that we were in a place where it was rough. Right. And so through all that, I think I held it all together and held it all in. And honestly, I had people friends, family being like, wow, like you're taking this so well, you're doing, you know, like, and getting praised for it. Right. And that's probably something that has been throughout the course of my life, you know, being able to do that. And as I went on, you know, at that time I didn't have a business. Right. So we ended up, I came home, I stayed home with her for a while. I started to work part-time maybe after six or seven months and kind of eased back into things a little bit. But as I started my business journey in 2015, My entrepreneurial journey and my personal development journey have really been parallel. When I first started my business, I hired a coach and I remember telling her, like, I swear I'm normally confident, but there was something about starting my business that just brought up all of these insecurities, all of these fears, right? And I'm like, I don't even know who I am saying this stuff to you or having these thoughts, but it was because I was really pushing myself outside of my comfort zone. And through that, it forced me to really start working on myself and digging deep and exploring parts of myself that I had really been too afraid to explore. And so that's really been, and I'll rein it in a little bit, but that was, I think, where it started is with starting my own business and starting to look. It wasn't like I came home from the hospital with her and had this profound, like, now let me feel the emotions. Like it was like just focusing on, I mean, parenting in general is very task oriented. <laughs> and so, and then especially with the preemie, it was like, we came home with this regimented schedule from the NICU. And, and I felt like I was able to really just find my comfort in that then. So it wasn't until years later that I started to explore and unpack all of this. This episode is supported by Mysteries About True Histories, a podcast for your kiddos. So from the creators of the hit podcast, Who Smarted, and Netflix's Brainchild comes the adventurous world of mysteries about true histories, affectionately known as math. Every episode follows Max and Molly, who have just been recruited into a secret order of problem solvers on an adventure through time packed with puzzles, hidden equations, history, and laughs, making learning cool. This podcast is perfect for ages six and up and new episodes drop every Thursday, each stacked with so much laughter that your kiddos won't even realize how much they're learning. I love a show where as a parent, you're like, hey, let's listen or watch this or whatever. And your kids are thinking they're like getting extra device time or what have you. And you're like, they're learning right now. So it feels like such a big win. So I want you to go check out Mysteries About True Histories wherever you listen to podcasts. You can tune tune into Mysteries About True Histories with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts, wherever you're listening to this podcast. So go check out Mysteries About True Histories to listen in and have some fun with your kid while they learn today. This episode is supported by Nutrafol. Did you know that hair thinning will happen to approximately one in two women? If you're among them, you are not alone. Thinning hair is normal, but it's not openly talked about, so it can feel lonely and frustrating and sometimes even embarrassing when you're going through it yourself. Join the over one million people who are doing something about their thinning hair with Nutrafol. Nutrafol is the number one dermatologist-recommended hair growth supplement with over one million people seeing thicker, stronger, faster-growing hair with less shedding. Oh my gosh, I am a heavy shedder, so if you are a heavy shedder, or if you are someone who's wanting to thicken your hair, I definitely want you to try out Nutrafol. I have loved using it myself, and I know multiple other people who've used it and have found great results. While many supplements rely solely on ingredient studies, Nutrafol clinically tests final formulations to ensure their efficacy. In a clinical study, 86 
6% of women reported improved hair growth after taking Nutrafol women's hair growth supplement for six months. To get started, you can take their hair quiz on Nutrafol.com, which will give you a personalized health plan based on your special root causes. Nutrafol is committed to helping you identify root causes of any shedding or hair loss so that you can really start to rebuild healthy hair in a way that is customized to you. So take the first steps to visibly thicker, healthier hair. For a limited time, Nutrafol is offering our listeners $10 off your first month subscription and free shipping when you go to Nutrafol.com and enter the promo code SHAMELESS. Find out why 4,500 healthcare professionals and hairstylists recommend Nutrafol for healthier hair. Go to Nutrafol.com. That's N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com, promo code SHAMELESS. Nutrafol.com, code SHAMELESS. So interesting. And I find it really relatable of like, I relate to this, the emotional state one holds when they want to control all the things and they don't want everyone else around them to lose it. So you're just like, I'm fine. I got it. I'm fine. I got it. Like, I would totally have been the same way, I think, or be like, I'm going to cry when everyone leaves tonight. Like no one needs to be a part of that. Like just that. And what you said earlier really, really resonated with me earlier in the conversation about the strength doesn't come from showing your strongest self that it comes from vulnerability. But I think there's certain personality types that are like control freak type A perfectionistic high achiever personality types, which I categorize myself as. And I think that we tend to struggle with like we want to show up as our strongest self and be seen as showing up as our strongest self rather than stepping into that vulnerability and not that we don't see the value in vulnerability but it's really hard it's really uncomfortable it takes way more time like it's just inconvenient and so i love this realization around recognizing that that needed to happen Yes. And I give so much of that credit also to Brene Brown. I feel like, thank you, Brene, for (laughs) taking me on this journey. Sister Brene. Yes. (laughs) Oh, all those shout outs there. But no, it's so true. And interestingly enough, if I don't know how into personality tests and all of that you get into. I love them. (laughs) I am not type A, but people think I'm type A. Like I think I act type A. I give off the impression that I'm type A. Like, and not even just like, even in like other moms from school, I could just tell by the way they like ask me things. I'm like, oh, you think I'm type A too? And I'm like, (laughs) I think I have it all together. (laughs) Right? Like, oh, I must really give off, you know, like I get the text like, oh, I didn't get the email that was supposed to be here like, you know, an hour ago. I'm like, oh, I don't, you know. But I think along the way, I, and I don't know if I just, you know, this was certainly not conscious, but along the way in my life, I adopted the belief that I had to act type A or be type A Mm. to have success. And with that through, again, I was not consciously aware of this, but through the Enneagram. So do you know your number? I struggle with this because every time I read through it, I'm like, oh, I swear I'm a one and I swear I'm a two and I swear I'm a three. So what are you? (laughs) Okay. So over the course of three years, I took the test multiple times, different places, and I always test a three. Always. Okay. And so I just thought I was a three. And here's the thing. Nobody questioned me on it, right? Everyone's like, oh yeah, of course you're three, right? Because I was acting like a three. But it was interesting to me, my best friend in the business world, we were having a conversation. She's like, are you sure you're a three? I really don't think you're a three. And I'm like, and I was like, kind of offended. I was like, what? Like, no, of course I'm a three. Like, I was, because to let people know three is achiever. <laughs> three is achiever. So I'm like, you don't think I'm an achiever, right? Right, exactly. So that's like being like, you don't think I'm that great. I think I'm pretty great. You don't think I'm great? <laughs> and at the time she thought she was a three too. It turns out she's not, right? So I'm like, wait, like you think you're an achiever and I'm not. So I was like, totally like not mad at her, but I was like, what? And like a to the ego. And then months later, I was having the conversation with my best friend since second grade, totally outside of the business world, although she actually does have her own business too. And I was telling her, I was like, oh, I'm a three. And she's like, there's no way you're a three. And I'm like, what? <laughs> so the fact that these two people who know me so like better than anybody, right? I'm on such a deep level, which with Enneagram is what it's about, right? It's your core motivations. And that made me really pay attention. Like, okay, the one I was dismissive, but the two I was like, okay, maybe there's something here. And so I bought the book, The Road Back to You. Is that the one that's written by a priest or pastor? I think it definitely does have a religious slant. Okay, yes. So I have that one. And because that's the one that tells you don't take the test, read each chapter and see which one resonates. Is that okay? So yes, I did this. And here, like quick story, because I think this is funny. So I remember at the beginning of the book, it said, you're gonna read through 
you know, these nine types and one of them you're going to get to and you're going to think that's me and not in a good way. Like you're going to not want to own it. And that's the, the one that you actually are. So I went into it thinking very clearly, I'm a giver because I'd taken the test twice and I was like kind of borderline, but I was like, that fits with like Myers-Briggs personality type. And also like, who doesn't want to be labeled the giver, right? So I'm like, I'm a giver. I'm a two. That's cool. And then I read the one, which is perfectionist and everything that's not good about perfectionists living, like being high in their one. It was totally me. And it was stuff that's like, you judge other people constantly. And I was like, that's not me. Oh, wait, maybe it is. (laughs) It was all these things that were not good. And I was like, holy cow, I don't want to be a perfectionist. I want to be the giver, but I think I might be the perfectionist. Maybe with a two wing, right? I know. But then I related to a lot of the three, except for that I didn't feel like I achieve at other people's expense. Like, I look at people and there's people who I know who are threes who are like, I'm going to achieve at the expense of like family time or this thing or that thing. And that didn't resonate with me because I was like, I don't think I do that. Like, I don't know. So anyways, I'm going to let you finish, but that's where I was with it. So I'm, yeah, I'm curious. Okay. So this may help you. So what helped me was because I couldn't focus. What I realized was I couldn't focus on the actions And in retrospect, I see this very clearly because I was acting like a three. I was testing like a three because I was acting like a three, right? Like me saying before, like I felt like I had to act like type A to, you know, to be able to be successful or or achieve. And same thing with stepping into that achiever. So I put on this three mask totally unconsciously, but that's the way that I was operating. But with the Enneagram, when you take the focus off of the actions, right, in the description, I would pay close attention to the core fears. Oh, that's the juicy part. <laughs> and that's where it gets real. Okay, so tell me more about the core fears. Expose us, tell us all the vulnerability around your core fears. <laughs> I, and so I am really a seven. I am not a three. Oh, and I don't even know what a seven is because I only know the first three. <laughs> well, and it's interesting because sevens are like, if you look at all of the, if you look at all of the memes or whatever, sevens are always like hiking or camping or like traveling the world. Like they're like the adventurous ones. And if you see me at any given time, there's like a 90% chance that I'm in a dress and I have red lipstick on. And right. you know, I was like, like I don't really feel like from following you on social that you're a big hiker, right? camper kind of gal. <laughs> Now I haven't left my house in three months, but you know, I'm pretty settled here. We've had the same home since 2007, you know, so I just like at the surface level, right? Not a seven, but when you dig in and the core fears of a seven are experiencing negative emotions, (laughs) it's all Mm. going to tie back to where we were, right? Oh my gosh. This is so good. So with sevens, it's we're joyful, we're pleasure seeking and yes, adventurous, but that shows up in different ways at different stages of your life. Right. And the fear is really around that experiencing negative emotion. And with the three, I think it's about like not being liked or accepted. I think is something like that, or maybe it's failing. It's something like that because with three, it's not just about achieving, but it's about people knowing you're achieving. Yeah. Like validation with that external validation of it with the two. I think there's something about that acceptance of others, maybe of the way you're helping them. I don't know all of them off the top of my head, but when you dig into the fears, that's when it gets real. And that's the stuff that you can't just be acting like another one for. Right. And I could relate to the three on some level, but it really, wasn't true to who I was. But when I look at the patterns that I've experienced and how far I've come, but also how far I still have to go on that journey of processing my emotions and just being open in that way, it was like, oh, I get it. And that's when I really started to notice too, the patterns of numbing of, okay, like that's an inconvenient thought. That's an inconvenient feeling. Like, let's have popcorn. Let's you know, mm-hmm. read gossipy comments on Instagram. Let's <laughs> is exactly what we were talking about right before we started recording. <laughs> but like, but that's the numbing where it is easier and you don't have to be a seven to have that pattern of numbing, right? But for us sevens, we're especially vulnerable to it because we're not comfortable experiencing that negative emotion. So for me, that was a little bit of validation, which I think is part of the benefit of these personality tests and assessments, right? Is you understand yourself better and it's like, okay, I get that part of me now. And 
And now like, I know that's a thing and I can work on it. And this is what a healthy seven looks like. Right. But to know that, okay, like I know that I'm wired to avoid that negative emotion. So now I can notice that pattern of, oh gosh, this feels hard and heavy. And I just spent 20 minutes creeping on these Instagram comments to get sucked into drama, right? That that is an escape from having to process the other emotion. And so now that I know it, I can start to redirect myself a little bit better with it, but it's all a journey, right? This whole, I laugh though, because I was at a mastermind, an in-person mastermind. I'm so thankful I had a chance to go before everything happened back in February. And a lot of this came up and I feel like it just, it was like another level, right? Of like, okay, now I'm talking about this on a business level and, and getting more in touch with, with these emotions I've been holding back. And I really left that mastermind like, okay, like I am here for it. Like I know I've had growth over the last several years, but I'm ready. I realized for me that with my growth as a entrepreneur and as, and really as the leader of a company, right. That I needed to like unlock this next level, if you will, of processing emotion and, and like go in there with certain things, right. I'm like, okay, like I'm going to do this. Like, this is my intention, you know, to like experience these emotions or whatever. And then less than 30 days later, we're in a global pandemic where I have like massive anxiety. And it's like (laughs) all of these, it's like, I literally could not escape from emotions. Like now you are like in your house and there's like all of these things happening. And I literally went, you know, from wherever I was on the journey to just like crying for 30 days straight of just like, I had to like, just go there. Like there was no escaping it and I really embraced it and tried to really be healthy with it of how can I be processing, leaving myself space and having conversations with my kids and my husband and even my parents. And we experienced a lot in the first, you know, six weeks of all of this. And we lost a family pet and it was both of my children, but my son still, I don't think totally understands it. But it was my daughter's first, you know, who does at seven, totally understand it. and was very close with my parents' dog, who's like a second dog to us and her first experience with losing someone. Right. So it was like, right as we were kind of coming up at the end of April, for air, you know, with stuff. It was like, and then, you know, and then saying goodbye to this pet. So it was just a lot of emotion. But what I learned through that was how much closer and deeper all of these relationships, you know, of how much more I was letting my kids in, my husband in, my parents in by going there, right? Because you don't want to brush over those things. And I'm so glad that I was preparing myself for that because, uh, and it's like, we're probably six weeks out from Franny passing away the dog and my daughter still cries every day and I give her that space for it's heavy for me but it's also I don't want her to you know you when you start looking at things through the lens of your kids right like I don't want her to, to be holding those emotions and I'm so grateful that I'm where I am on this journey so we've created a space where she can you know process it in her own way and it's hard. It's hard that she is so emotional about it. But I love that about her. I love how big her heart is. And as a family, I think it's brought us, you know, even closer together to go through these things together and talk about it and be there for each other and be real with each other, right? Oh my gosh, so much goodness in all of that. I'm curious if you can share what practices do you have that allow you to step into your feelings? Because I think that if you are someone who has been really good at bypassing them to be strong, and show up solid and just be fine all the time. (laughs) It's really hard to then be like, and now I'm just gonna be vulnerable. And I mean, back to Brene Brown, gotta love her. And she fully admits, she's like, I hate vulnerability. I don't wanna be vulnerable ever. It's awful, it's horrible, I can't stand it. Like, I'm really bad at it. And it's also like the only thing she talks about. Like, it's so amazing that you would think that she's someone who's like, let's talk about feelings. And I think she fully owns it, admits that she hates it. Like, it's not so... So how did you go from one end of the spectrum to the other? Like what are, and are there like practical application tips that you could give to our moms who are listening, who might want to be working on that? Absolutely. So there's different sides of this, right? So I'll say one side, you know, which is totally Brene is that in those moments where things are good, I think it's like, I can't talk about the bad without also talking about the good in those moments where things are good. And then we start protecting ourselves from being too happy, right? When you're like all singing in the car and then all of a sudden your brain is like picturing a horrific car accident and you're like having this blast. It's like, why did my brain just go there? You know, or in, in one of her books, she gives that example of looking over your baby in a bassinet and being like, 
oh my gosh, like how could I possibly love you anymore? And then picturing something horrific happening to the baby. And and that thought pattern, right? And I am raised by two very overprotective parents. <laughs> the joke when I was little was like, oh, Jack's going to run into the pillow. Watch out. Because they were just both so worried about me that their friends would tease them. Oh, so, you know, I was the first and, and what have you. So I am trained to worry and to think about those things and saw so much value for so long in that. So part of this is retraining my brain to not always be worrying, right? And to, and in those happy moments, find the gratitude, like literally as I'm starting to think the negative thought, be like, no, no, I'm so grateful for this moment. Like, this is amazing. Like, I want to remember this, like stay here in the moment. And also to remember too, that Worrying is just imagining negative things happening. So let's use that imagination for good and start imagining like even better things happening, right? Because it can go both ways. If you're going to, as long as we're going to get creative, let's use it to our advantage here, right? It's like, it'd be great if we did this all the time. But for those other moments of, especially through this pandemic of just, you know, getting massive anxiety or just being pushed to my wits end with having children home and no help for endless days or weeks. And all of those moments, I really, one, you know, taking that. So, and sometimes, listen, like this is real life. Sometimes like it is an inconvenient time to have an emotion and we got to hold it together, right? Like sometimes that is just the case, but oftentimes there really is space to be able to process that feeling, but it feels inconvenient. It feels uncomfortable. And the default is to shove it down. So in those moments, just embracing it and giving yourself that space to say, you know what, I just need to go. Like for me, it's like, I just need to like go upstairs for a minute. And so in those moments, feeling it because feelings are feelings, right? Like we have to feel like you're having this, it's literally a physical sensation in your body. So when you are resisting it, like you're fighting with your body and then it's going to come out in other ways. Like you can only shove so much. So giving yourself that chance to actually feel it allows it to pass through. And allows you to just, so sometimes it really is that, like, it can be that, like, quote unquote, simple. So sometimes it's just a good cry. Or if I know that I've been shoving stuff down all day, it's also like, okay, let's like watch something that's that I know I'm going to cry watching because then I could just have that like emotional release. And I think if you're really having resistance, that's like a really good way to be able to like process like the literal feeling in your body without like maybe taking this huge jump that might feel too uncomfortable for you to do. Right. So that is huge. And then sometimes it's, I'm a verbal processor. So it is talking things out with a coach or a friend or being able to, you know, to really process things that way to, to see what's going on. And, and if I need to cry during those conversations, cry during those conversations, but give myself that space. I also, even though I'm a verbal processor, journaling helps me so much. And just sitting down of like, sometimes you can say, what am I feeling? Sometimes you have to prompt yourself of like, what am I afraid to feel? What am I afraid to admit right now? And to pull that stuff up, which again, feels really inconvenient. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it's there, whether we admit it or not, it is there. And so I would say that is just like giving yourself that space to actually feel it because it's a feeling. Sometimes I think we forget that because once we have the feeling, we're creating all these thoughts around it. We're judging ourselves for it. We're making all those feelings mean something. But it is a literal physical sensation in our body. So in order to work through it, we have to actually feel it and sit with it. The other thing I want to say, though, that is a little bit more... I don't know if you'd say woo woo, but I'm one, I'm big on meditating. I love, you know, meditating, but it has been really hard to meditate having kids home all the time and, and, and all that, right? <laughs> meditation in a pandemic. Oh, meditation in a pandemic is, you know, Hey, I think everybody needs to have meditation as part of their life, but it is, you know, for me, especially with how I have ADD and I have this brain that just goes, 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 I need to have perfect silence. Like if I hear footsteps, like there's no meditation happening, right? 100% very relatable. So, (laughs) so when I don't, you know, have that ability to meditate, tapping has actually been so helpful for me. And I'm certainly not a tapping expert. And I just go on YouTube and I find tapping videos, but I find that I can do tapping for like four minutes. I can hear total chaos going on down like in the world around me. And I really feel an energetic shift from that. So if I need to like, I need to give myself space to feel the feelings, but sometimes I need to also do something to channel my energy in a positive direction. And tapping has just been huge for me. Oh my gosh, so many great examples. And I love the variety of examples from like super practical journaling to super woo t- tapping, because I think there's space for all of that for sure. There is. One of the, I run the spectrum. Yeah, yeah. 
I really want to capitalize on what you said around being okay with your feelings being uncomfortable and inconvenient, because I think that we are in a place right now as a world where being in uncomfortable and inconvenient places with our feelings is really, really necessary. And it feels awful. (laughs) But I think it's also really necessary that we step into that discomfort and that we are okay with the inconvenience. And I'm speaking specifically for white people right now, because I think that we in particular, like need to recognize the, especially as a leader, I'll say that I like to fix things. And I'm sure this probably goes with all versions of my personality type, but I like to be able to fix things and be like, oh, well, there's a problem here. And here's a solution. A plus B equals C and we're done. And it's very hard right now to sit in uncomfortable and inconvenient feelings because there's not a clear path. There's not a clear solution. The path and the solution require a lot of work and an ongoing commitment to being uncomfortable and inconvenienced by your feelings. And so I think this is really, really pertinent right now in many ways. And as it relates to what's happening in terms of a cultural revolution, as it relates to what's happening with our families living in a pandemic and being really cooped up for a really long time. And then as it relates to just motherhood in general, where it's often easier to bypass feelings in motherhood because you have 18 things on your plate that need to be done in the next seven minutes. And you don't really have time to like sit and process and think through and grieve or mourn or be sad or be uncomfortable or whatever. And we need to make more space for that. And so I think that this is relevant in so many ways, always in motherhood, and also especially right now, given where we're at in the world. It's so true. And it's healthy for our kids to see that, right? Like that was one of my big revelations of like, I want my kids to see that I have feelings and that it's okay to have feelings. Like I need to, I can't just tell them it's okay for them to have their own feelings and not model that behavior. Right. Although I will say with this cultural revolution that we have right now, one of the things coming up for me, which is, I don't know, I guess I will say it was unexpected because I didn't expect it, but the more that I learn of everything with this, right. And dig in and the books and the courses and the more that I see, it's like this anger bubbling of like, how did we get this far with this happening? How was nobody taking care of this before? How are people experiencing this? How did I not know this? And like all of this, like the anger, but also like guilt and shame around it too. And that, but the anger specifically, right? Like I'm very familiar with guilt and shame. My mother is Jewish. My dad is Catholic. I'm um, so very familiar with when I say that. I'm Well-versed. Joking. But it's two cultures that come from a lot of guilt, right? But, but I'm familiar with those feelings, but the anger I'm not used to, right? That's not my number one strength on, on strength finders is positivity. And so I have really been struggling. That's my third. What? Oh my gosh. We have to, okay. When we're done recording, we're going to do like a whole, we'll have to review our strengths Go ahead. (laughs) But it's like that. Okay, but this is who I am, but I'm feeling all this anger and like that is okay. And being comfortable and not avoiding that emotion because it is my default to start avoiding, to start numbing. And as you're on this journey, you have to start noticing your patterns there because that's when you can catch yourself and be like, ooh, I'm trying to avoid this. Ooh, you know, that's my pattern of trying to escape and shove. Totally. Oh, this has been so good. Okay. And I'm way over time. So thank you for sticking with me. I couldn't stop you. So I told I'm chatty. Thank you for, for being here. For Yes. No, this has been great. So last two questions. First, tell us how you're currently showing up as a shameless mom. I feel like this is going to be a total, but I feel like I'm showing up as a shameless mom right now in just writing our own rules for our family. It's, you know, this whole and quote unquote homeschooling, which someone put as like crisis schooling. And I think that's a much more accurate statement and trying to figure out what our quote unquote new normal is of how we're doing this and juggling it and just giving myself the grace and our family the ability to just figure this out for what's best for us and maybe not what's best for everybody else. So doing that shamelessly. Totally. Oh, I love it. And then tell everyone where they can find you, connect with you, listen to your podcast, all those things. Yes. Well, go to gal podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts, wherever you're listening to this podcast right now, come hang out with me over there. And then JacquelineMalone.com. It will lead you probably anywhere else you would need to go. And Instagram, I have a Jacqueline Malone account and a go to gal account. So happy to connect with you over there as well. 
Awesome. And I think you, I have a link here for a Facebook group. Oh, sure. So if you are building a business and want to be that expert who is known as the go-to gal in your space, then yes, I have a Facebook group called Becoming the Go-To Authority. Perfect. So I will have all that linked up in the show notes and people can find you in all those places, join your Facebook group if they're building businesses. This has been so fabulous, Jacqueline. I'm so grateful for your time. Thank you for sticking with me well past when we were going to be done because this has been, I know, really, really valuable. I know this is going to help a lot of moms. So thank you so much. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you so much for joining me in the Shameless Mom Academy today. I really, really appreciate you being here and I hope you learned something new. As always, this conversation will be continued over in our free private Facebook group. You can join that group by going to shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook to connect with other shameless moms just like you. Additionally, if this is your first time listening to the show, know that we are here every Monday and Wednesday with a brand new episode. So make sure you subscribe, go to whatever podcast app you use and subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. You can do that directly if you go to shamelessmom.com forward slash review that will put you in Apple Podcasts where you can click on the subscribe button and you can also leave a review. If you scroll down a little bit, you can leave a five star review. You can write a few sentences letting me know what you thought about the show. If you let me know how the show has impacted you in becoming a more shameless mom, you might be nominated to be shameless mom of the week. Also, please share this episode. My goal is to help more mamas be more shameless every damn day. So please do share this episode. You can take a screenshot of the episode on your phone and then share it out on social media. Tag me at the Shameless Mom Academy on Facebook or Instagram. I'm quick to reply and eager to send you Facebook love and love to be connected to all of you. So again, thank you for being here. I can't wait to be back here again with you in just a couple days. And until then, no matter what you do today, make sure you do it shamelessly. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us 